I'd invite you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. We will be taking our text this afternoon from 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. While you're turning, let me say that we appreciate uh, your presence so much this afternoon. So good to see uh, this number. As somebody told me once, it takes more church for some people. And I'm glad that you're in that number that it takes more church for. Appreciate you being here. I want to uh, say again my thanks to the elders of this congregation for the opportunity to come and to work with you this week. I uh, am not seeking any personal gain. I think there will be gain this week, uh, but hopefully that gain will be for the, this congregation, for the kingdom of Christ, and for this community. Uh, I want to tell you that uh, I want to serve you in whatever capacity that I can and that I'm able to. And uh, Robin and I are here at your service and the service of the Lord and work this week. And we're so thankful and honored and humbled that we could uh, be here and to work with you. Let's start reading with verse 5. 1 Peter 5, and we're going to read verses 5, 6, and 7. <clears throat> Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Peter is specifically admonishing younger people. I suppose it's because the difficulty that younger people have with having humility. After all, your experience as a young person many times is I've got the world by the tail and I've got it on a downhill pull and everything is going to be fine because after all, I'm invincible, I'm young and I can do whatever I need to do. When you're uh, a young person, your mind is sharper, your body is uh, more toned, it's, it's better in just every way. And to have humility as a young person a lot of times is very difficult. So Peter is telling young people to be prepared for the work that God has ordained for them. And when we have marinated in humility for a while, Peter is saying, then God can exalt us as he would and, and do time and we will be exalted. But in the meantime, marinate in this humility. Now, I wonder if he would be addressing this specifically today to this congregation, but, and I see that we have a lot of young people, and no doubt I believe that this is a specific address to young people, but also a uh, general address to all people. You look at our situation in our country, in our land, how difficult it is many times for us to humble ourselves. No doubt a lack of humility still plagues all people today. And the lack of humility is causing us in, uh, to fail. And it is our, definitely our adversary. But the lack of humility is not confined to the youth. You know, one of the speeches this weekend, and we're all, all of this is fresh on our mind of the great speeches that were made. One of them is a lack of respect that people have today, especially among young people. And I think we can all say amen to that. But this lack of respect is not confined to young people, but it involves older people too. So therefore, Peter writes 
these words. And this afternoon, I'd like for us to meditate upon these two verses and see what Peter is telling us. The first part of this, he says, therefore humble. Someone told me a long time ago, said you better be careful about praying for humility. Because what happens when you pray for humility is God's going to humiliate you. And that's true, but it's not altogether true. For you see, when I find Peter writing these words, I believe that humility can be our choice. And that we can make a choice to humble ourselves. So Peter is telling us, not in a polite request, but as a command. Therefore, humble yourselves. You can make a choice and I can make a choice to humble ourselves to God and to other people. For you see, everyone is going to humble themselves. It's just a matter of timing. No matter your status in life, death is the great equalizer. I've heard it put this way, that we're all being channeled into the same place. And these channels, the rich, the poor, the mighty, the educated, the uneducated, all channeled in to the same place. And death is that great equalizer. And you and I are going to stand before God and we're going to give an account of our life. So it's not a question of if we will humble ourselves, it's a matter of when. Romans 14, 11 and 12 says, For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. No one is going to be exempt from this day of accounting. You and I will give an account of ourselves, and we will humble and we will bend our knee to the Almighty God and rightfully so. So Peter says, therefore humble thyself. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Notice he, also, he says in this verse, humble yourselves. I'll bet you there's a lot of parents here this afternoon, perhaps. I know that I can relate to it that would love to humble their child or their grandchild. And they would love to humble themselves for that individual and be a proxy of humility for them. Those who would choose to go out in disobedience, I've seen many parents that would say, I would love to humble and I would do the work. I would bend my knee to God for my child. But you can't and I can't. No matter how we would like to do that, we have to humble ourselves. So Peter gets real personal. I can't do it for you. I can't walk the aisle for you. I can't make that change of mind for you. I can't make it for my own child or my own grandchild or my neighbor or my wife or my husband. I have to do it for myself. Humble yourselves. Philippians 2 and 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I believe that's the essence of the meaning of this verse. I can't do it for you. You can't do it for me. I have to humble myself. 
So I'm encouraging you this afternoon, whatever your status in life, whatever it is, choose today a path of humility before God. Humble yourself. The proud will not fear, nor will he tremble. But part of humility is understanding that there is one who holds power over us. I want to tell you, brethren, this afternoon, personally, I fear God. I fear him because I know that he holds all power. That he holds the destiny of my soul. I must fear him, and you must too. Therefore, humble yourselves. Matthew 10, 28 says, And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. So we can choose to humble ourselves now or be humbled later. But it's our choice. The next part of this passage says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I appreciate this statement and, uh, the, and the thoughts that I believe that God and the Holy Spirit are trying to convey to us. We're not standing on the top of God's hand stomping up and down and saying, Open your hand to me and give me, give me, give me. We're not trying to stomp and to try to persuade God in that way. Also, if I am under his hand, then it means that it's not an oppressive hand. If I am under his hand, it means that it is a place of security. So, if I humble myself under his hand, then I quit trying to stomp and to plead and to beg. I am placing myself in a place of security. Not only for now, but for the future. To be protected. I'll ask you, who could bother you under the mighty hand of God? A lot of our problems in life, a lot of the things that we struggle with, think about it this way. If God can save my soul from hell, he can save me from anything in this life. If he chooses, he can protect me. He can do all things, and I can do all things through him who strengtheneth me. Think about it, that if I humble myself and I put myself under his mighty hand, that I am placing myself in a place of security. I know some folks that uh, are involved in some dangerous situations in their travels to Africa. Some of our own brethren are doing that. A statement that came to me, and I want to share it with you this afternoon. So they said, this person told me, they said, you know, a lot of people ask me, how can you do that? How can you go over there? And there's actually a doctor who goes over and does medical treatment. And, and they, they donate their uh, time and, their, and giving of themselves as a physician in, in very dangerous places in Africa. They said, how can you do that? And she told me, she said, you know, my answer to them is there is no more dangerous place in the world than to be out of the will of God. 
And isn't that true? And there's no safer place in the world than to be in the will of God. And if I humble myself and I put myself under his mighty hand, then I'm placing myself in a safe place. All of the heroes of faith were protected. Oh, now they didn't, they were not exempt from suffering and pain of this life, but they were protected. Their protection, their latter glory. So humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He continues with this, and he, that he may exalt you. Humility and submission are key ingredients in preparing us for God's service. What does Peter mean here by exalting? It seems that they are opposed. If I'm humbled, then how can I be exalted? It's one of the uh, oxymorons, I suppose you could say, of the scripture. I'm humbled so I can be exalted? What does that mean? Let me give you an illustration this way. I, was, uh, I read somewhere a long time ago, and I couldn't tell you where I read this at all, and it's probably some uh, fable, I don't know, but it makes a point. So I'll use it. I, my, I'm under uh, understanding that at, at one time in the, uh, the dog and the wolf traveled together. You know, today they're not, they won't travel together. You, a dog and a wolf, a wolf would kill a dog in a heartbeat. They won't have anything to do with each other. A, a dog is, is, is scared of the wolf and the wolf is vicious toward the dog. But at one time, I understand that they traveled in packs together and that they uh, hunted together. But somewhere along the way, the wolf decided that it start serving themselves. And everything that the wolf did was a decision that uh, would be for the betterment of the individual of the pack. The dog, however decided that it would humble itself at the feet of man. And you know today, the dog is one of the most loved creatures in the world. It's the pet, it's man's best friend. We stayed over at the Hampton Inn a couple of days there for the Brotherhood meeting, and I do believe that we were the only people in the motel that didn't have a dog. Never seen anything like it. The dog has become man's best friend. The wolf is man's hated enemy, which was exalted. The dog becoming submissive to the will of man has become exalted and lifted up as man's best friend and the pet and taken care of. While there is a service in Nashville that uh, has GPS dog walking. I haven't called it yet. <laughs> My point is, and you can see it, is the way that humility works and the way that exaltation works. I'll tell you, you start living for yourself and that's all you're living for. That's all you'll have when you die. And you'll find yourself alone and lonely. So therefore, Peter writes that he may exalt you. Now, 
Ephesians 2 and 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now there's two types of exaltation. One type of exaltation is what just about everybody sees. It's the type of exaltation where the focus is placed on you. That's the movie star. That's the red carpet treatment when you drive up in the limo and all of the flashbulbs goes off. And the movie stars starts walking on the red carpet. And that exaltation, all the focus is on that individual. That is not the exaltation that Peter is talking about. The other type of exaltation is this. It is that I might be equipped to the service of God. So when I am exalted, then that means I am equipped and I am made usable in the service of God. So Peter said, or Paul says in Ephesians 2, we are his workmanship. We have been exalted to his service. That is the exaltation that Peter is speaking of. But when we have been properly humbled, when we have chosen to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, then we can become ready for specific service. God can use us and will use us. 1 Peter 5 and 5 says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. James 4 and 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. That, you won't be lifted up as the focus that's not what God is declaring. God is declaring that he will lift you up so that you might be in service to him and that you might be that vessel that has been restored and made whole. That you might be equipped for the service of God. Matthew 23 and 12 says, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. You can choose. To humble yourselves and become obedient to God. That's your choice. If you choose not to do that, then you will be humbled later. All will be humbled. You can choose to place yourself under the mighty hand of God. You do that through obedience to Jesus Christ. So that he may exalt you. That he may make you usable in his service. That you might become a vessel of honor to Jesus Christ. The next part of this passage says that he may exalt you in due time. This is the part that it gets sticky with us. <laughs> what is due time? In other words, when God gets good and ready. He will exalt you. He will make you of his service when he gets good and ready. A trait of humility fitting, for us, uh, fitting us for his service is the ability to wait. The ability to be patient, to be enduring in his work. The ability to say, I'm going to continue. The ability to say, I am his humble servant. <laughs> 
I am the vessel. He may exalt me and use me as his desire when he is good and ready. Waiting is rare because of our instant can't wait mentality. We have instant everything. We can't get the internet fast enough. We can't get cell phones fast enough. We want it and we want it now. But God says, you operate on my time. After all, if you are going to humble yourself, you have to acknowledge his time. And you have to acknowledge his power. You acknowledge him as God. Our first step in apostasy is the failure to acknowledge the power of God over our lives. When we fail to do that, we lift ourselves up as God. Peter says that he may exalt you in due time. So I ask you this afternoon, go ahead and ask and pray for patience. Pray, pray for it. I dare you. <laughs> when you do, you'd better run for the storm shelter. But nobody... Nobody learns patience without enduring a storm or two in their life. But no one can serve God without learning endurance. Without learning to run that good race. Without learning not to quit. To keep on keeping on. And understanding that God's time is not necessarily our time. And our instant gratification that we demand is not necessarily what he's dishing out. So go ahead and pray for patience. I dare you. John 6 and 27 says, Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth for unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Paul learned patience and endurance. In 2 Timothy 4 and 8, he says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Paul said, I've fought a good fight, and I've kept the faith. I've endured. How can we ever humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God if we don't also learn the ability to endure? So that God may exalt us in due time, that we might be useful vessels to his service. Peter concludes this passage with a great hope for us. A hope that you and I need to share with each other. For this command of humbling ourselves or becoming obedient to God and being placed under his protection so that he might use us in his service in his time, then we can cast all of our care upon him for he careth for us. This is a command from the creator of the universe telling us to cast all of our cares upon him and he'll take care of them. You know what's amazing to me is we don't do it. That's what's amazing. Here God is pleading with us and telling us, you've got a worry, you've got a problem, cast your cares on me because I care for you. I want you to think about your own children, your own grandchildren, or somebody that's really close to you. 
When they have a care, you have a care. When you have a problem, when they have a problem, you have a problem. That's just the way it is. That's the way love works. And if you could, you'd say, give me your problems. I'll take care of them. If you could. God can. And that's the blessing of being under his obedient, being obedient and humbled under his hand that loves us. God can. What's amazing to me is we don't do it. Why do you think we don't do it? Why do you think we don't cast all of our cares on him? You believe God can save your soul from hell? I do. He told me he can in his word. He can save your soul from hell. If he can do that, he can take your problems. And he can take my problems. Why is it that we don't give them to him? There's only, there can only be a few explanations at work. Uh, the first and foremost explanation I think that really uh, speaks to us is that we just don't believe him. We just don't believe him. That's too good to be true. That God is so interested in me that my problems he is concerned about, that's just too good to be true. Or maybe it's because we don't trust him. When I was a boy trying to learn how to swim, and in the creeks and the streams of Tennessee, there's a lot of them, and some of them, this stream that I learned to swim in was cold, I'm telling you. It's cold. It's called Mountain Creek for a reason. And we'd go down in this creek. My daddy would tell me, he said, you just, you just lay back. Yeah, right. Lay back. Trust me, I'm not going to let you drown. Whatever. I'm not, you, and you know, that's my daddy. And he wouldn't have let me drown. But it was very difficult for me to place the amount of trust that I needed. We're that way with God, too. But God tells us. I'm sovereign, I'm holy, I make no mistakes. You can cast all your care on me, but we don't do it. Maybe it's because we don't believe him, maybe it's because we don't trust him. Maybe it's because we just like our burdens. You know, I believe some people just like their burdens. Gives them something to talk about, you know, it's like operation. Let me tell you about my operation. Let me tell you about my last doctor's visit. Somebody said that you could tell if you're getting old but if you talk about your last doctor's visit or your future doctor's visit. And I'm getting old. <laughs> Maybe we just like our burdens. Do you like your burdens so much that you can't give them to God? I would encourage you this afternoon to have a change of thinking, have a change of thought. The burdens that you're carrying... They're the burdens that are hampering you. The biggest burden that we carry and that we, uh, so many of us have carried so long in our life is the burden of sin. And it's a burden. What a terrible burden, this burden of sin. It's a burden that is such a hindrance to you. It's a hindrance to your home. It's a hindrance to your community. It's a hindrance to all those that love you. It's a hindrance between your relationship with God. What a terrible burden that is. God says, casting all your cares. I'm thankful that we serve a God 
that died for my burden of sin. And that I can cast all my cares upon him. I can give him all my sins. I can give him those secret sins. I can give him those sins that nobody else knows about except him. And he's promised that he would forgive me of my sins. Perhaps, though, we do like our burdens. Perhaps we're like the pig that the little girl cleaned up. She washed him and she put a bow on him. She made all of his curly hair clean. And then she turned him loose. And the pig went back to the mud hole. Because the mud hole was where it found comfort. You know, as long as we're comfortable in our burdens and our burdens of sin, we will not cast all of our care upon God. Our spiritual health would be much better off if we would, we would simply take God at his word. You know, there are no conditions to this commandment that we've read this afternoon. When the Bible says all, he means all. All the world can do all things, all burdens, all your cares. God is the only one uniquely qualified to use words like all, never, or every. So I'm asking you this afternoon to consider your life, the burdens that you carry, specifically the burden of sin, are you willing to cast it upon God? In order to do that, you have to humble yourself. You have to make a choice. And you can do that by placing yourself under the mighty hand of God. That he might make you fit for service in due time and exalt you unto every good work. That he might make you a vessel that is good for his service. So that you might cast all of your care on him, for he cares for you. We're to do this simply because God cares for us. Think about that. The God of the universe cares for you and me. The creator of all things cares for us. Humble yourselves under the protection of my hand, God says. And I will take care of all your burdens for you. And when you've learned humility and to trust me and to rest in my care, you will be ready for me to use you. I wonder sometimes if it is our lack of humility that causes us often to say, I don't know God's purpose in my life. Our lack of humility says, I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know what his plan for me is. Maybe it's because the lack of humility is not willing to let you say, I am willing to let God use me whatever way that he can. And I will become a vessel in his hand. He is the potter and I am the clay. I will allow him to mold me and to make me. But it's only when we will humble ourselves when that will happen. Maybe we need to spend time humbling ourselves under his mighty hand. And while you're there, rest assured, he'll take care of you. 
This afternoon we're going to sing a song, an invitation song. And it's for those who have a need, the need of forgiveness of sins. If you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, we beg you to come repenting of your sins and confessing Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God. Humble yourself that you might be buried with Him in baptism and raised to walk in a new life. If you're here this afternoon and if you have need the prayers of the church for assistance of living, for assistance in uh, placing yourself in obedience to God, or you just need prayers, there are brethren here that are willing to pray with you and to help you in any way. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?